0: Always grateful to have the opportunity to preach, um, though this is maybe the first time in my life I've preached in front of an open pulpit, so I've got to work on, you know, not doing a jig down here. We'll do our best. <laughs> um, if, if you uh, if turn your uh, Bibles to Matthew 6, we we're going to continue looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount today. Um, looking at Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And I'm reading out of the ESV, but uh, I, I find if you have another version, it, it's great to read along. In another version, it helps you look at it from a different perspective uh, or, or a different, with different words. Look at the same thing through different words. But Matthew six nineteen through 24, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth And rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your sermon on the mount that we have um, been spending so much time on recently. We thank you for your uh, upfront and bold proclamations that are sometimes hard to hear, but um, express your your will and your heart very clearly. We pray that you would reveal that to us today. Um, Use me to communicate the truths that you would have for us to learn clearly and, and help people to understand what you would have for them today. We praise you in your name. Amen. So we're going to talk about money today. In case anybody wanted to be comfortable and, and not have anything hard discussed, we're going to end that right now. Money is never, money is never a great, uh, comforting thing to talk about. Whenever, does anybody else feel uncomfortable when, when we talk about like moral issues surrounding money? That one always it gets me. It, it's... it's it's uh it's always convicting because because we all have money we all deal with money we all we all are forced to use money in society and and basically every every american who is part of a functioning society has enough money that you could be manipulated into feeling guilty for it right it it only takes uh uh, one picture of of a, a boy in Uga- Uganda with a water jug walking five miles to go get water or uh, a, a young girl in a sweatshop in Sri Lanka working long hours for $2 a week for us to be like, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. Then we look down at our fast food meal that we just complained about because it only has one piece of cheese and, and we just feel like horrible people, right? We're... <sighs> Society has a way of, of, of making us, uh, society has a way of, of knowing how to get our money from us. That's what society does. And, 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 and each one of us, I'm sure, has on some level experienced that guilt, the, the I have money guilt. And, and that's not what we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk about uh, some idea of, of it being immoral to have money, because that's, that, that's not what Jesus is talking about. But he does. Jesus does focus on money a great deal. In fact, the whole New Testament talks about money a lot. The there are twenty three hundred uh, verses in the New Testament dealing with money or possessions or wealth. And that's more than that's more than uh, verses talking about heaven, hell, or sin. I, I mean, I guess sin is kind of most of the money verses talk about sin too. But the, the this is a topic that comes up over and over again. In fact, this is the third time in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that money has come up. Jesus talks about it because it's an important issue for us. It, he talks about it because not, he, doesn't, he doesn't back away from hard things. Jesus' purpose here on earth is not to make us feel comfortable when we're, we're doing things that are that need to be addressed he he's quick to address things and he was quick to address the the people around him and and money was a an illustration that he could use to hit home for all the people that were around him and and still is applicable to us today because if you live in society if you're a functioning part of a civilized society you deal with money you 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 probably do something to earn money, and you probably do something that costs money. It's it's part of society. It's part of, it's an inevitable part of our lives as human beings living in society. And and he he uses the topic of money to reveal sin in our heart. Because that's where sin happens, right? Sin happens in our hearts as as we make bad choices, as we... Think about things, lust after things, wish for things, hate things that 's where sin happens in the heart sin doesn 't happen in the the transaction necessarily, though I suppose sometimes it can the the The, the choice of sin is made in the heart and and this is it 's just the same thing uh, with with shepherds. Jesus used the illustration of uh, shepherding a lot. We have lots of illustrations about a lost lamb, the hundred, hundred sheep, the, the, these different things. The, because Jesus was talking to a crowd often that was filled with people who were sheep farmers. That's what they did. So he was trying to relate it to them. And he uses money the same way. But it, money, is not, money is not the root of all evil. What, the, the root of all evil is the the love of money. When, when Paul is talking to Timothy in First Timothy 6, he says uh, the, the root of all evil, the love of money is, is the root of all evil. The, the desire to, to get money above all else. That is where the evil begins in so many of our lives. It's the heart condition that becomes a problem. And just like Jesus is highlighting in this passage, the passage is not about money. Though it looks like it's about money, he's talking about treasure, laying up for yourselves treasure. It's not necessarily about treasure, it's about our heart condition, where our heart is is focused, what what our heart treasures, what our mind becomes fixated on, and ultimately what our heart allows itself to be controlled by. So the question is what do you treasure? Let's read it one more time. Uh, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus starts this portion of the sermon with a discussion of physical treasure. Don't stock up on things that are temporal. Don't be... Don't make your life's focus be things that are, are going to pass away. If something's not going to last for eternity, it has only temporal value. Houses uh, depreciate, cars cars rust, clothes. Even if you're sensible enough to buy mothballs, I don't know if that's sensible. Maybe just have a closed closet. Whatever. Even if you don't have clothes that get eaten by moths, they go out of style unless you don't have style, which is, I suppose, never mind. <laughs> clothes fall out of fashion, clothes wear out. Everything that we have on this earth is only of temporal value. The, the things that we acquire, the things that we spend money on are of temporal value. Even if you get things that don't depreciate, if you invest in gold, look, gold, there's no way to go wrong with gold, until the stock market crashes, or, or somebody steals, or, or your bank folds, that you had it in. There is possibility for, for loss in every earthly investment. And that's what Jesus is setting up to look at, setting up for us to look at what is important to us, what is important to our heart, what does our heart focus on? We need to make sure that what our heart focuses on, what is important to us, is also important to God. Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to have wealth, of course, but the pursuit of wealth has no eternal value. We have to be, we have to be careful not to take that too far. It, it's, not, it's not evil to pursue wealth as, as a means of functioning in society, but it's a means of having that your heart's fixation. Uh, A parallel passage to this passage in Matthew is Luke 12, 33 through 34. Um, It says, Sell all that you have and give to the poor. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is referencing eternal wealth taking these things that matter more than just the temporary, more than just the th- physical things. And, and and this passage reminds me of another time where Jesus used an illustration of something that passed away versus something that was eternal. It was the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who was drawing water. And Jesus said to this woman, he said, if you knew who I was... You would ask of me for the water for which, if you drank, you would never be thirsty again. This is, a, this is a, like, a, like an eternal wealth. Jesus says, regular water, you're going to be thirsty tomorrow. My water, my living water, you'll never be thirsty again. Eternal value in this water. Now, very clearly, Jesus is not condemning temporal water. We, we, I'm, I'm sure the woman at the well came back the next day and drew water at the well. It was probably a more meaningful experience for her having remembered the previous day, but, but we still need water, right? We still, we still have the need for the temporal things. It's not immoral to still have water, n- nor is it immoral to still go to work tomorrow and make the money that you have to make to be a functioning part of society. But ultimately, it's, it's putting things into perspective for us. These are These are word pictures that Jesus is using, illustrations to put things into perspective. How much value is a sip of water versus a life-changing drink of of what God has to offer? How much value is going to work and and earning enough money to make a payment on a car so you can get around in life versus investing your time and effort into somebody who needs to see the love of Christ? who will know what the love of Christ is and have a heart change because of your action in their life. These are the things that don't pass away. These are the things that that ultimately matter in light of eternity. Whereas, yes, we'll go to work. Yes, we'll have a car. Yes, the car will fade. It's part of life. But we have to remember that the important stuff is, is what we do for Christ. We have to look at it the way Christ intended it. It's a caution to not take our focus off of what really matters. Ultimately, if we're followers of Christ, our lives should be shaped into arrows pointing at him. Any temporal or earthly concern that detracts from that has to be, has to be examined in our lives and, and possibly set aside if it takes away from, from doing that uh Jesus uses the example of of money, but he's he's warning us of any earthly concern right any anything that becomes more important to us than doing the work of Christ than loving Christ, and that could be anything that can be uh, a sport as i as i Get older less of my peers are are living for sports when I was you know in college high school and college people were like I'm gonna make it I'm gonna get drafted I'm gonna play professional baseball whatever it was they thought that their lives were gonna revolve around a sport as I get older fewer people have that dream fewer people have that distraction I'll say I see as, as I look around but but many people have have this idea of a sport being their life's calling and ultimately, that takes away from, if, if it is our life's goal, it takes away from our focus on Christ, our career. And this can be different than, different than money. It can just be our love of doing work. If it's temporal work, what does it matter in light of eternity? It can also be our, our desire for popularity. This one it might seem silly to us, but in a society with social media, with with uh, going viral is a means of, of starting a lucrative career or, or becoming an influencer on YouTube is one of the most sought-after positions, sought-after career ideas that people have today. Becoming popular can be the heart's desire, can be what somebody treasures to the point that it takes away from a life focused on Christ. Our generation is popularity-obsessed popularity, popul, popularity obsessed many times. My generation, my generation and younger. Ultimately, those things become worthless. All these things, career, uh, sports, popularity, becomes worthless in light of what is done for Christ. But that doesn't mean that, that being popular is necessarily an evil thing, of course. It doesn't mean that a career is an evil thing. It doesn't mean that playing sports is an evil thing. Sometimes it's, it's, it's something that can add color to our life and give us a respite, or give us, give us hope to continue. And, and Jesus puts those things into our lives as good things. But when they become our fixation, when they become our desire, when they become our treasure, it's when it takes away from Jesus. Uh, the verse says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be alt- also. I like to invert that. Look at it the other way around. It says, what your heart is fixated on is revealed by what you spend your time and your money and your effort on. So what, what, that's your treasure, your time, your money, your effort. That, where are you investing that? That will reveal to us what is important to our hearts. When we, when we have something that we put a lot of energy into or time into, It's something that we truly care about. So we each have an allotment of time each week. So presume 40 hours goes to work, if you're lucky. Uh, Presume 56 hours, if we all get eight hours of sleep, which we, of course, all do. 56 hours of sleep a week. So take that away. You're left with 72, I think, 72 hours of, of, of your time. Obviously, some of that's food and driving, whatever. But... You're left with a chunk of time each week. Time that you can spend. Whatever the majority of that expendable time goes to is what your heart desires, is what your heart treasures, is what your heart is invested in. That's what your treasure is. You can look at someone's budget, not not their proposed budget that they write out on paper and never look at again, but the things that they spend their money on. If you have you know, the, the necessities and then expendable income, and you, you have 90% of your expendable income going to golf. Sure, but is that, is that a good focus for your life? Something that your, your heart treasures, something that you pursue. Um, and your, your energy. If you have a spouse who spends weeks planning a hunting trip or, or a scrapbooking get-together, and and they won't take the energy to plan a date night or or they forget your birthday or anniversary we like ideally we we try to be forgiving we try to be understanding but but as a spouse you kind of start to understand where someone's priorities lie it we we when we put so much in something temporal so much energy and focus into something temporal that we neglect the responsibilities that God has given to us for, for a life focused on Him, then we start to treasure temporal things over Christ. We start to make that our focus. And, you know, we can, we can fix these things, right? We, like, when, when, when we have focuses on things that are unimportant, the first thing we can do is self-examine. Hey, look at, you know, I've, I've spent 80% of my budget on this fixer-up car and, and, and 90% of my energy on this car, maybe I need to set aside a little bit of time to not work on this car because it's becoming an obsession for me. I need to, I need to back off what, working on this. Maybe it's, maybe it's not so easy to self-examine and you have to talk to somebody that knows you and cares about you enough to, to point out to you the, the struggles in your life, the, the, the struggles on on what you're looking at, what you're spending your time on, what you're spending your money and energy on. And, and there, are, there are tools that you can use. For, for the use of a budget, you can read a book, a, a, a Ramsey book or, or, or Larry Burkett or, or download a budget off the internet and, and see... How much of your money ought to be allocated to different things, and if you have a huge chunk of your money going to something that that a a standard budget kind of ignores, it's kind of a red flag for you. Maybe it's it's so important that you need to seek uh, a counselor for for your marriage to, to help you straighten out your priorities in your marriage, but these are all things that we can work on. When we... When we treasure something too much that it distracts from God's plan for our life, we can work on that. We can change these things. But when we don't change them, it becomes an obsession. It becomes a fixation. And that's when we we really start to, we really start to lose our impact for God in our lives. Uh, Verses 22 and 23 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This passage is not talking about eyesight. This passage is not saying, hopefully you have good vision so you can fill your life with beautiful colors. It's talking about your, your mind's eye. What you, are, what you are thinking about every day. What you are fixating on. If you are... If you are spending all day, every day thinking about this car that you're restoring, your 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 whole life is gonna be just about the car. And it, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Restoring a car is not a bad thing. But it can be, obviously. It can be a negative thing. But if if it is something ultimately that distracts from the position that Christ has put us in, then it's it's what fills our life it, it it takes away from the opportunity to fill our life with the light of Christ. When we fixate on Christ, or we fixate on the things that Christ has put in our path to be part of his will for our lives, then we are filling our lives with light, and we're, we're, we're not obsessing over less important things that will ultimately harm us. When my uh, brother joined up, actually both of my brothers uh, went in the army um, and, and it was quite the experience as a younger brother to see an older brother go off and become a soldier, which was, it was, it was, I'm very proud of both of them. Um, but when my oldest brother went in, he went in um, in September of 2001. He went in right before, I think he shipped off right before September 11th, maybe shipped off right after. But they, they let him wait for just ages before they processed him because they had more important things going on. Um, and I remember that he would write letters home to us and talk about how things were going, how his what his frustrations were, how hard his his workouts were, how terrible his drill instructors were. And at the end of every letter, he would talk about foods that he missed. He would talk about a Big Mac. He would talk about ice cream. He would talk about cake. I, I think there were there were certain things that he loved. Uh, that my mom cooked that, that he just missed. And it became a fixation for him. And over Christmas, he had the opportunity to come home for a couple days uh, from boot camp for just a couple days. And he came home and he was very fixated on food. And he, I think he ate himself pretty sick because of his fixation on food. When... Of course, in, in basic training, there's much worse things to be fixated on. But, but he, had, he had such a fixation, fu- such an obsession with the things that he wanted to eat. You know, you, you'll make yourself sick when you haven't eaten anything, and then you go to a line of fast food restaurants and drive up and down the street buying one of everything. When we, when we fixate on something to the, to the exclusion of other things, it can really be damaging for us. Uh, Time Magazine published an article that said people who watch football are 110% more likely to have a heart attack while watching the football game. And that's probably not even taking into account if they're Lions fan, which has got to raise that <laughs> a bit, I would imagine. That if, if watching a sport can, can give you that level of anxiety, can give you that level of 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 worry of of obsession in your life. You know how much how much can a a really unhealthy obsession do? How much can any obsession, even something as simple as football, take away from the path that Christ has put in front of us, for better or for worse. If you fixate yourself on being a better parent, you can fill your family with light. If you fixate yourself on a promotion at work, you might fill your work life with life, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you're doing that to the exclusion of your family, you're filling your family with darkness. If if God has set a path in front of you, you must be careful to not let temporal things distract you from that path that he has put in front of you. The things we treasure will turn to more and more. And when we begin to focus on them, it becomes our lives become defined by them. They become an obsession. They become a fixation. And ultimately, the things that we fixate on shape our lives to the point that we serve them. We become, we become the slave of those things that we are obsessed over. And that's not a bad thing as long as the thing that we are obsessed over is what God has put in our life to be obsessed over. Or more specifically, if it is the person of Jesus Christ. The person of, of, of God who has given our lives the opportunity to shape ourselves after him in his will, to know his word, to, to love it, to... To pursue it in our lives to the point that our lives become modeled after Christ. If that is our obsession, then how much, how great is it to be, to be a slave of, of God the Father? How great is it to be to call Him Master? But if we call our, our fixer-upper car our Master, if we call our, our sport our master, how, how sad is that? Something that passes away, something that's temporal. But what we love becomes our master. That's what it says, the last verse. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I read that as a child out of the King James, and it says you cannot serve God and mammon, and I read mammal, and I thought it was mammals till I was 13 at least. You cannot serve God and money. The correct translation is money. You cannot serve God and money. You you cannot serve, you cannot spend your life devoted to earning money as the fixation of your soul and call yourself a follower of Christ. You know, this, this idea of treasuring things seemed a lot more harmless when we talked about what your heart treasures. But when you talk to when you talk, get to the point where it becomes your master, when it becomes the thing that you that controls you, it, it's it's kind of scary, right? This is this is why drug addiction can be so harmful. If if you are so focused on the next high that everything else in your life blackens out, you've become a servant to that drug. You've been become a slave to to that need that your life cannot be fixed on anything that Christ has to offer. And it takes away from that. But Christ uses the, mon- the, the illustration of money. He says you can't serve God and money. And he uses this illustration because, because he, he knows that all of us deal with money. He knows that all of us have to deal with money. And, and almost all of us deal with the need for money, right? The the. There's, there's very few of us who say, eh, I don't, it wouldn't be easier for me to have more money. Because we all, we all live in a society the same, and, and all of us, our lives would be you know, presumably made easier if we had more money. But, but when that becomes our fixation, it fails. When, when, when we look at the, the story of the rich young ruler, a man who was a really, really, really good person who came to Jesus... Wanting to follow Jesus, wanting to be part of Jesus' entourage, but ultimately, he was a servant of money. He was somebody who lived for money. I've always wondered about that story, because a man comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And... And Jesus says, well, what you, also, what you really need to do is sell your, sell your stuff and give all your money to the poor, and then you're good. And you, you read that in the Bible and you say, well, that's, that's not what I read in my book on how to get saved. Salvation is, salvation is always been and always will be uh, a free gift of grace by god through through the payment of Jesus Christ on the cross that 's what salvation is. How, how does Jesus say what he needs to do to earn eternal life is is sell what he has and give it to the poor that doesn 't seem right. I think only only an omniscient person could have said this because Jesus understood the mind of the rich young ruler. Jesus understood that this man was never going to Put Jesus as Lord over money as Lord. Jesus did not say, you know, for everybody else, salvation by grace. For you, what you have to do is this to earn salvation. What he said is, you know, for salvation you have to, you have to make me your Lord. And you're, you're not going to do that. He says this is, this is what is standing in your way. Money is more important to you than me. That's what it is. And and the rich young ruler very sadly turned around and walked away because because money was his lord money was his his god his master it's what he served Jesus never asks to be part of our life what he asks is to be the lord of our lives he does not ask to be to be a thing that we do on Sunday. We go to church and learn about Jesus. He asks to be our Lord, our master, our our leader. If we are followers, he is our leader. We, We seek his end. We seek his will with our lives. If there are things in our lives that distract us from that end, then we are making something else our Lord, other than Jesus Christ. Money is, money is no more evil than time. It is a tool that we have to spend. But when we fixate our, money, our, our, our minds and our hearts on money, or when we fixate our minds and our hearts on temporal things that ultimately don't matter for eternity, they will stand in our way of our relationship with God. We have to self-examine ourselves and, and, and reach out to people that we trust and, and, and ask for loving advice, honest, loving advice on, on what are these things in our lives that stand in the way. It's so my encouragement for you today. Seek those things. Identify those things that come between you and the Lord, that come between you and making Christ your Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you today as the only one who has ever deserved to be our Lord, the only one who has ever had a right to to claim us. Lord, we are so unworthy. We are so often failing in our pursuit of you, in our our easily distracted, easily... uh, led astray minds and hearts. We pray that you would hold on to our attention, hold on to our hearts and help us to focus on you. And, and when we need help, when we need uh, the strength of a family member, of a church family member or, or a friend, that, that we would be there for one another. Showing the love of Christ to these, these others beloved in you that we would be able to point others to you. We praise you and we, we thank you for the family that you have put together here that we can be here for one another and lifting each other up in prayer and, and encouragement and that we would always be honest with one another. We praise you Lord in your name. Amen.